The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. The book of Ephesians chapter number one this morning for our text reading. The book of Ephesians chapter number one for our text reading today. Uh, This morning we're continuing our series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? As we go verse by verse studying through the section of the Bible called Ephesians. Uh, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but I'm so encouraged just to see a good group of folks here in the Lord's house on this Sunday morning. And uh, beyond that, just how well you guys were singing. I can't tell you, it's, it's incredible to sit on the front row and just hear each and every one of you just lifting up your voices to the Lord. I mean, it, it, sometimes I get just so moved as I listen to all of you saying, I'm, I'm literally almost brought to tears just to hear the saints just lifting up their voices and worshiping God. And, and I'm so thankful that uh, on a day where so many have other uh, things in mind that you have a heart just to worship God and spend time around his word. Inside your service program, you'll find Find an outline that you can use to follow along through the message. I hope it'll be a help to you as we study the Bible together this morning. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read Ephesians chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to begin here with verse number 3. We, we will be studying all the way down through verse number 14. Uh, but uh, let's begin here uh, in first Ephesians chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 3. The Bible says this, Blessed be the God... Our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, notice this, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, mentally, I want you to notice how many times you're going to see the word in Christ, in whom, and notice as we just kind of read through this. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him verse 11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in christ verse 13 in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Uh, notice that first verse in verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This morning, I want to speak on this subject. I am blessed. I am and blessed shall we pray dear heavenly father god we we love you we love you for who you are in your nature and essence and we love you for what you give and grant to us lord in your 
graciousness. I pray that we would be a people overwhelmed with your incredible goodness, your incredible graciousness, and your incredible blessing upon us because we are in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Do you ever have times where you feel like your life is kind of cursed? You ever been there before? Uh, maybe you just seem to, you can't seem to catch a break. Anybody in here ever have a bad day? You know, you're driving along late to work and all of a sudden you get a flat tire. Or maybe something, your uh, hair isn't just kind of coming together just right. Or uh, you ever had one of these, like a bad day? Maybe, maybe you're really excited to go home and watch a, a Super Bowl game and, and your pastor just preaches for like three or four hours. Ever had one of those days before, you know? And uh, I'm just, I'm joking, all right? Yeah, and so we've all, I think if we were to be honest, all of us have had some of those days, and uh, we've been there before, and I want to remind you of this, that even in the midst of your worst moments, even in the worst of, even in the midst of your worst days, you, because you are in Christ, are still blessed in Him. This morning, I want you to see some of the incredible blessings that were given to you the moment that you were placed in Christ. Now, in the original Greek, if you were to read what we just read a moment ago in the original Greek, you would find that there are no periods. All of these, 11 of these verses is actually one sentence. Uh, So all of you grammar Nazis out there, this would have really driven you the wrong way, all right? So Paul, as he's writing this in the original Greek language, 202 words in this one sentence. He's just going on and on and on and on. How many of you have ever had a time in your life, maybe your kids came to you and they were so excited and, and they just, they were, oh, Dad, you got to hear about this. Oh, and they were just going and going and they're like, they're not even taking a breath. Your kids ever done this to you before? Because they're so excited about telling you about something. Literally, this is what the Apostle Paul is doing in this passage. He, he's so excited. He's so overwhelmed. He's so just enthusiastic about what's happening and what he's about to share that he literally doesn't even take a breath he's just going on and on wow this is amazing and and it's like we want to say to the apostle paul okay 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 paul take a breath it's gonna be all right what's going on he is so excited about the blessings that are his in christ literally verse number three could be paraphrased this way paul's saying blessed be the blesser who blessed us And then he goes on to share with us several blessings that are ours in Christ. Now, notice two words in verse number three. I want you to, first of all, see the word has, all right? And this is a Greek aorist tense. This means it's past tense. These blessings that Paul is about to describe have already happened if you are in Christ. They're not something you have to wait for. They are already yours in Christ. Notice another word, all. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So not only have these blessings already been granted to your account, but God has given you every spiritual blessing that you'll ever have or you'll ever need. God says they're already yours in him. So what are these blessings? To the best of my ability, we're going to read through this passage and we're going to uncover these incredible blessings that are now ours in Christ. So let's start in verse number four. Here's what it says. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, notice this. According to as he hath 
chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, which leads us to blessing number one, and that is simply this, God has chosen me. God has chosen you. If you are in Christ, you have been chosen by God. Romans chapter number eight, verse 29 says it this way, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. First Peter chapter number one, verse two says it this way, that we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now let me say this very carefully. The Bible teaches a form of sovereign choosing that does not limit man's free will. Nor does the scriptures advocate a form of man's free will that somehow overpowers God's plan. Now, if you were able to track along with that in our finite thinking, this sounds like a perplexing paradox. It sounds confusing. It's a theological tension that we must navigate extremely carefully because God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts not our thoughts. And rather than get caught up in all the perplexing aspects of this truth, it's a, it's wonder that we could celebrate the reality that we are no accident. We're not an afterthought. We're not a mishap. We're not something that has just kind of come out of nowhere. You have been personally chosen by God to live a life of meaning, purpose, and significance because God has chosen you. Praise the Lord. You've been chosen. But I want you to notice this. When no one else wanted you, he did. He chose you to be his. Even in spite of all your secrets, in spite of all your scars, in spite of all your shame. Ephesians chapter 1 says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God has chosen you. What an incredible blessing to know that you have been handpicked by God. We've been blessed. That was verse number 4. Now notice verse number 5. Having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This leads us to the second blessing we find in Ephesians here, chapter number two, and that is simply this, God has adopted me. God has adopted me. Romans chapter number eight, verse 15 says this, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In the Greek, a little child would run to their daddy and they would say, Abba, Abba. Literally as if to say, Daddy, Daddy. And that's what this passage is teaching us in Romans, that literally when we were adopted, when we were placed in Christ, we became an adopted child of God so that we can go to our Heavenly Father and we can say, Daddy, Daddy. That's the type of relationship, that's the type of blessing that God's given to us. We've been adopted. Uh, Roman and Maria Diaz, there's Maria right here on the front row, they are in the process right now uh, of adopting. And it's a wonderful thing just to see how so many of you have rallied around them and have given them gifts and been a blessing to them as they prepare uh, to adopt 
into their family, literally to choose one to become part of that Dia's family. And what a, what a beautiful, symbolic picture that is uh, when there's a family willing to adopt another baby into their family. And that's exactly what God has done for us. One theologian said it this way, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. My friend, when you were abandoned and alone, he reached out and chose to adopt you. Even though he knew at times you would run from his very presence, it didn't keep him from adopting you into his family. Maybe you're here today and uh, your physical earthly father, maybe he abused you. Maybe you're here today and your physical earthly father Maybe he abandoned you. He left you. Maybe you're here today and your, your physical father, he disappointed you. To those of you who find yourself in that situation today, I want to say to you this. That if you are in Christ, you have a heavenly father that has adopted you into his family. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got a heavenly father in Christ. If you are in Christ, then God has adopted you. What an incredible blessing to know that you are now part of his family. But that's not it. That was verse 4 and then verse 5. Now notice verse 6. What's the next blessing? To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, what did he make us? Accepted in the beloved, which brings us here to our third blessing this morning that we find the Apostle Paul sharing with us, and that is this, that God has accepted me. God has accepted you. In Christ, we are fully accepted in Him. Jesus Christ is the one that makes us acceptable to God. Can I repeat that? Jesus Christ is the one that makes us acceptable to God, not us. It is not our works or our performance or our habits or our behavior that makes us acceptable to God. It is Jesus Christ that makes us acceptable to God because of his finished work on the cross of Calvary. Someone once said it this way. God's acceptance of you is not based on your behavior, your performance, habits, or actions. God's acceptance of you is based entirely on Christ's behavior, Christ's performance, Christ's habits, and Christ's actions on your behalf. That is why you are accepted. That is why you are acceptable before God, because of His performance for you. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter number one, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. It's his work that makes us accepted. We can't walk around in pride and in arrogance, puffed up, thinking that we brought something to this equation. It is not our works of righteousness which we have done that makes us accepted in the beloved. It is his work on our behalf that makes us acceptable in the sight of God. Our works, the Bible declares, is as filthy rags before God. Our acceptance is because of Jesus. When you were being rejected and despised. 
Maybe as a child, you were rejected by a parent. Maybe as a teenager, you were despised by people at your school. Maybe you felt lonely in those moments. When you were being rejected and when you were being despised, He accepted you. In Christ, though He knew at times you might even turn your back on Him at moments, He, in Christ, made you acceptable to Him. My friends, when you're fully accepted in Christ, get this, you no longer have to spend your life living for the the approval of others. You're free from that. When you are absolutely convinced that you have God's acceptance upon your account, it frees you. It frees you from having to demand approval from someone in your life. It frees you from having to demand approval from some relationship in your life. It frees you to simply serve those around you because you don't need them anymore to provide you with something internally, to provide you with something emotionally, to provide you with something psychologically because you are convinced, you know that everything you need, all the acceptance and all the approval that you desire from people around you, you desire from parents, you desire from children, has already been given to you in Christ. You're accepted. It frees you. Some of us here today are enchained and in slavery to the approval of other people. And we cannot live our lives following the Spirit of God because we are enslaved, because we are not convinced that we are accepted in Christ, that all the approval and all the acceptance we need is already ours in Him. You don't need to be looking for it somewhere else. You've already got it, my friend. It's yours. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are acceptable. You're accepted in Him. That's what the Apostle Paul says, verse 6, wherein Jesus hath made us accepted in the beloved. What an incredible reality. What an incredible blessing. All right, let's keep going. Next verse, verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which leads us here to our fourth blessing and that is simply this god has forgiven you if you are in christ and christ is in you you are 100 percent forgiven in him now to really understand the blessing that forgiveness is we need to feel the burden of our own brokenness My friend, before Jesus Christ, before our salvation, the Bible declares that we were wicked. We were separated from God. We were vile. We were horrible. We were sinful, arrogant individuals, desperate in need of the grace of God. You say, well, I wasn't as bad as so-and-so, and and I wasn't as bad as those. I'm here to say this, in the eyes of God, you were wicked. It wasn't your performance or your behavior that changed that view in the eyes of a perfect, holy, just God. It was what Jesus Christ did for you on your behalf at the cross of Calvary. That is what has made you accepted and forgiven. Isaiah chapter number 43, verse 25 says it this way. 
I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. Get that. God says, I blotted out your transgressions, and here's why I did it. I didn't do it for you. I did it for me. I did it for my own sake. And I will not remember thy sins. Wow. Did you catch that? This is God speaking to you. I am he. I'm the one. I'm the one who blotteth out your sins and your transgressions. And I did it for my sake. I did it for my glory. I did it for my praise. And I will not remember thy sins anymore. What an incredible blessing. Notice this word right here. It says not just forgiven, but it says redeemed. You say redeemed. What what does that mean? It means to buy back. It means it was yours and you bought it back so you could have relationship with it once again. Uh, we were having dinner a couple of weeks ago with the Newtons, and uh, they were telling us that they, a whole story, that I guess uh, if some of you have been to their home, they have a dog by the name of Molly, and maybe some of you have met Molly. Molly's just the, the biggest, wildest little do- big dog that you've ever met, just all over everything and this and that. And I guess somehow one day, uh, Molly escaped uh, from the backyard, and through the course of time, ended up uh, in doggy prison uh, down with the city. <laughs> So Margaret had to go all the way down. They told her how much she was going to have to pay. On, what was it called? Bail? Is that what they do with dogs? I don't know. What they, what, what do they do with dogs? Pay the bail. Pay the, pay the fee to get the dog. This, this was the Newton's dog. It already belonged to them. They had already bought it once. And now they were going to have to put down more money in order to get it out of this prison so they could enjoy a relationship with their dog, Molly, once again. In, in kind of the same way, this is what God did for us. We were his. He created us. He sustained us. We belonged to him. But because of our sin, we ended up in a very bad place, a very unhealthy place, a place where we no longer had relationship with God. And so in order to buy us back, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life and literally shed his blood as a payment the punishment of our sins and with the blood of his son jesus christ redeemed or bought us back so we could enjoy relationship with him once again you've been redeemed you've been bought back you've been forgiven by god what an incredible reality he's forgiven you when you when you were sinful And when you were in your guilt, in the moment you were placed in Christ, he forgave you. Even though he knew you could sin against him again in the future, knowing that that would happen, he still chose to forgive you anyways. He still chose to redeem you anyways. And because you have been forgiven, you no longer have to live in a state of shame. You no longer have to live in a state of guilt. You no longer have to live in a state of despair because you have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. That is the blessing that is yours in Christ. When you are absolutely convinced that you have been completely forgiven, it frees you from obsessing over the regrets of your past. 
Some of you are in bondage to what you did before you were saved. You're in bondage to the past mistakes and it is keeping you from moving forward into a life of holiness and into a life of honoring God and glorifying Him with your life because you are living in the past. And I want to remind you today, He has blotted it out. He's forgiven it. He remembers it no more. You are free to be unshackled from the regret of your past and move forward for God in faith. That is the opportunity that now lies before you. You are free from being entangled to your past. What what an incredible blessing. He's adopted me. He's accepted me. He's forgiven me. He's redeemed me. You can almost see why the Apostle Paul can't even take a breath. Why Why he's so excited about these blessings. Just overwhelmed with what God has done. Notice here, verse 11. In whom we have obtained an inheritance. Notice that. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Not only did your heavenly father forgive you against your wicked rebellion against him, and if that's all he would have done, that would have been awesome. Not only did he forgive, not only did he redeem and then pay for you again, And not only did he make you acceptable to to come into his presence. Not only did he adopt you as one of his very own sons. But now he's going to give you an inheritance. It's crazy. And you get what's happening here. We were his enemies. And yet he forgives us. He makes us acceptable to come into his presence. He adopts us as one of his own children and then lavishes us with incredible inheritance. This is what God has done for you in Christ, an inheritance. It's actually a true story. In 2008, a college student by the name of Sergi Sudev was struggling to make ends meet and, and wondered if he'd even have enough money to stay in school. One day he received a knock at his door. He answered it and a couple of men in suits stood there and one of them asked if Sergi knew a man by a specific name and the man named this other gentleman's name. To which Sergi responded, yeah, he, he's my uncle. Um, the men in the suit asked him, he said, do you, do you know him very well? Uh, to which Sergi responded, uh, well, I met him once when I was a kid, but I, I haven't seen him in over 10 years. Um, why, why do you ask? And the man said, well, your uncle uh, has just passed away, um, and the reason we're looking for you is, is he's left you an inheritance. And <laughs> Sergi got a little excited. He's thinking to himself, maybe, maybe there'd be enough money for him to stay in school after all. And after a moment, he kind of tentatively asked, how much? Uh, the men looked at him and said, it's, it's just a little over $1 billion. <laughs> Sergi's response, and I quote, was this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How many of you said, that would be a good day. <laughs> a good day. Now, I want to communicate this to you. 
as incredible as that story is, as unbelievable as that story is, it still does not compare to the inheritance you received when you were placed in Christ. In that moment where he chose you. In that moment where he says, I know you're vile and you're dirty, but I'm going to clean you and I'm going to make you acceptable. You can, as my enemy, I invite you into my presence. I will make you acceptable to come into the courts of a king. But I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to adopt you. What? You're going to make me as one of your children. I'm going to make you as one of my children. I adopt you. Wow. Not only am I going to adopt you, but I'm going to give you an inheritance above anything you could ever imagine. This is the blessing that your heavenly Father bestowed upon you now that you are in Christ. Acts 20, verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. James 1, 17 tells us every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. My friends, you have been blessed with an incredible inheritance in Christ. Even when you were spiritually poor, even when you were spiritually destitute, even when you were spiritually bankrupt, he bestowed upon you the riches of his inheritance even though you could offer him nothing in return. There was nothing he got out of this transaction. There was nothing you could give to him and yet he chose to give you an inheritance anyways. Because of all these incredible blessings and this awesome inheritance, you no longer, get this, get this, you no longer have to exhaust your life living for more stuff. Your job can be just that, a job. The means by which God provides his grace to sustain your life. But it doesn't have to be an obsession anymore. It doesn't have to be your source of identity anymore. It doesn't have to be that thing that gives you your value and your worth and your purpose any longer because you already have the wealth. You already have the blessings. You already have what you need and it's already yours in Christ. So your job can be your job and your life can be Christ. He can be what matters most. He can be what you value most. He can be what drives you most because everything you think you need, you already have in Jesus. You're free from being in bondage to those things that you think will provide you with more. Because what you're really wanting and what you're really looking for is already been given to you in the inheritance that is yours in Christ. And now you are free. Free from idolizing your career. Free from thinking, I don't have time for my family because I gotta work this overtime. Free from obsessing about that next thing you wanna get. You're free from that because in Christ, you're convinced that what you have and what you need is yours in Christ. And you can follow the Spirit to work when he leads you to work and to go home when he leads you to go home. 
to be diligent when he calls you to be diligent and play with your children when he calls you to play with your children. Because your savior is not your career. Your savior is not your savings account. Your savior is not your 401k. Your savior is Jesus who has already promised you the hope that he's going to take care of you. Oh, what a blessing. He's given us an incredible inheritance. It's already happened. It's already ours. We can trust him. Notice verse 13. In whom, notice we're catching all these in whom's because every time the Bible says in whom, we're looking for a blessing there. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, okay, after ye believed, what happened? Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. This brings us to our final blessing from this passage. Number, blessing number six, God has sealed you. Now, in the 21st century, this doesn't have a lot of meaning to us today. In fact, when I said that, most of you are sitting here and you're confused because you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have no idea what the Bible's talking about. You're like, sealed? God has sealed me. I don't know what that means. Help, what are we talking about? It's kind of a strange statement in our modern times. However, maybe to make this, help this make a little bit more sense, I'll explain um, in ancient times, uh, kings would often wear a, what was called a signet ring. It was a ring with a stamp on it of sorts, and whenever there was official correspondence, a letter or some correspondence that was mailed out, they would close that letter up, they would put a uh, wax on it, and then that king would take his signet ring, and he would press it into that wax, and it would be the official seal of that kingdom. Literally, when the king did this, what it symbolized and what it represented to the person who received it was that whatever this letter contains, what is, whatever this letter says is authorized and guaranteed by the king. It was a hope that everything it contained would become reality. It was true. It was authentic. It was real. And so here, when we find out that we have been sealed, what does that mean? It means when we were placed in Christ, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God the Father says, I'm making you a promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're mine. And no man can pluck you out of my hands. And so literally, the king of kings and lord of lords takes his signet ring and stamps it with the stamp of the Holy Spirit of God. And so he impresses upon us at that moment of salvation, he impresses into our lives the very Holy Spirit of God. And the moment you got saved, the Spirit of God took up residence in your life. It's more than just a force. It's more than just a thing. That Holy Spirit is a seal. It is a promise that he is not going to leave you behind. A guarantee a hope that you have in Jesus. This all guaranteed. This is like the seal at the end of this letter. The Apostle Paul saying all these blessings, all these promises, all these hopes are guaranteed 
in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 21 continues this thought when it says, Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest or the down payment of the Spirit in our hearts. Literally, the Spirit of God inside of us is the down payment that says, hey, I'm gonna give you this Spirit, but in a moment in the life to come, there's glory eternal, this inheritance. This is the blessing that God has for you. Now, on a theological note here, notice this. Did you catch this with me when we were reading through this passage? Verses number four, verses number five, and verses number six. These spiritual blessings, the ones contained in those three verses, are blessings that are initiated by the Father. Okay? You'll see it there. He chose us. He adopted us. Made us accepted. They were initiated by the Father. The blessings found in verses number seven, verses number eight, verses number nine, and verses number ten, these blessings are secured through the work of the Son. So as you read through those blessings, you'll find, oh, it's the forgiveness that was secured by what Jesus Christ did. The adoption made possible by what Jesus Christ did. And then you get to verses number 13 and 14, and these spiritual blessings are now then guaranteed by the Spirit. So we have the the Trinity at work, literally blessing our lives. Father, Son, and Spirit. And even when you doubt his love, and even in those moments where you feel like you don't deserve his salvation, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you no longer have to look for your hope and your security in your good works. You no longer have to look for your hope and your security in your spiritual performance. You no longer have to look for your hope and your security in your religious behavior. Now you can find your hope and your security in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has guaranteed it. My friend, when you are absolutely convinced that God guarantees his blessing, no matter what, he'll take care of you. It frees you to share what you have been given to others. You see, your hope is no longer in your 401k. Your hope no longer has to be in how big your savings account is or how secure your job is because you have a greater hope. Your hope is not in how popular you can become or how many friends you can get on Facebook. Your hope is no longer in how many relational connections you have or how many sales you can make because your hope, your guarantee is anchored to something greater and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're free. You're free to share what God gives to you toward others because you know that everything you need for life and godliness is already yours in Christ. And the person who's actually convinced that these blessings are true Their life looks different. Now, you can talk these words and speak these words and still, but when you actually believe that these blessings are yours, it changes the way you interact with others. When you truly believe you're totally accepted and approved by God and you need no other approval, it changes the way you interface with people. No longer do you have to demand respect from that person because ah, it doesn't bother you anymore because... You have all the approval and acceptance you need emotionally in Christ. It, it's irrelevant to you. No longer do you have to live under the guilt and the shame of your sin. 
and feeling so broken because you know that you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed in Christ. And when that reality grips you to your core, it changes the way you, you walk through life. When you understand that this inheritance that has been given to you offers you everything you'll ever need for life and godliness, you don't have to be stingy anymore. You're free to give. You're free to be radical in your generosity. You're free to give to those less fortunate. You're free to give through your local church. You're free to give in your neighborhood. You're free to give to loved ones around you because it changes the very fiber of your being. No longer is that your hope. No longer is that your savior. You recognize you've got a heavenly father. If you'll just follow his spirit and follow his leading, you're fine. And you no longer see those lesser things as that which ultimately is gonna save your life. They are what they are. It's a job, praise the Lord for it. It's a 401k, praise the Lord for it. It's a savings account, praise the Lord for it. It's some nice cars, praise the Lord for it. But it's no longer a spiritual, functional savior. It is what it is, a blessing from God. We'll put this on the screen and we'll be done. Our great hope is not in those things that we wish Jesus would provide. I, I know of entire religious traditions, and it's like, my hope is God's gonna give me this, and God's gonna give me that, and God's gonna give me those things, and God will, because God's gracious, and he's benevolent, and he's wonderful, and he really is. But that's not where our great hope lies. Our real hope lies in what is already ours by means of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The great hope that you have is not in what God will one day give you, but in what he has already given you in your blessings now that you're in Christ. The real hope is found in the fact that you've been accepted, found in the fact that you have been forgiven, found in the fact that you have been adopted, found in the fact that you have been given an inheritance, found in the fact that you have been sealed that great hope called the Holy Spirit. And it is in that that rests your greatest hope. Stop looking to lesser things for that hope and that saving, that significance, that feeling of satisfaction and find it in the person who has already given it to you, Jesus. What's so amazing about this passage is that here in this area passage, Paul never actually tells us to do a whole lot, which is interesting for me as a pastor. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to go through, I got to tell these people to do something. <laughs> and in this passage, you're not going to find a whole lot of that. It's like Paul saying, we'll get to that later. But right now, I just want you to ponder some things. I want you to consider some things. I want you to think about some things. And here's what he says I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to ponder his incredible blessings. Are you allowing these blessings to really seep in deep? On Tuesday, my son Landon, who is five years old, came home from school right around lunchtime, and my wife and I had had lunch, but he came up, and uh, he came over to me and said, Dad, can we go to Taco Bell? <laughs> and I kind of thought about it. I, I said, well, son, um, no, I've, I've already eaten you can kind of see his face kind of droop a little bit. But I said, I'll tell you what. I'll take you to Taco Bell. Face lit back up again. So we got ready, jumped in the car, drove him down where Taco Bell was around the corner from our house. We went through the drive-thru. And I picked up his favorite, nachos. <laughs> he loves the Taco Bell nachos. 
I took those nachos, I set them in his lap, and literally from the rear view mirror, just the entire way home, his face was just gleaming. He was a young boy who knew he had been blessed. <laughs> he did not open it, did not taste it, just drove all the way home. Didn't say a word, not a word. Got home, he ran inside to mom, showed, showed mom, hey, look what dad got, and put it down on the table, and my wife began to, you know, put it all together and get it all ready for him. And literally the whole time, his face is just gleaming. And as a dad, you know how, this is cool, right? You know, you're just watching your kid and just their face is just gleaming. Like they feel like they're the most, aw- like the most awesome person in the world. His face just gleaming. And finally my wife was ready and he grabbed a chip and just, he put that nacho into his mouth and he just smiling so big. He just felt like he was the most important special person on the entire planet. He's eating that thing and he went to go get another one. And I'm sitting across the table from him. And just about the time he's about to reach another one, he looks over at me and gives me a big smile and says, thank you, Dad. And goes back to eating his nachos. My wife didn't say, now what do you say? (laughs) I didn't say, well, what do you, no. There was just something in him. He 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 was relishing in the blessing of his father. It welled something in him gratitude and appreciation and it changed something inside of him not because his dad told him to say something not because his mom demanded it but because he was living in the reality of the blessing he was experiencing and so here's what i say to you you are sitting at a table and feasting on incredible blessings from god every single day the blessings of his forgiveness his acceptance his approval his adoption his inheritance and sometimes i wonder if we're really even fully aware of the experience that we're living in and living through you say what do you want us to do pastor i'm just going to let this hang i'm just going to let this simmer for a few weeks And over the next few weeks, we're just going to dive down deep into everything that God's riches make available to us and what we are experiencing, whether we realize it or not, and not give you anything to do, not give you anything to think, not give you anything to say, but here's simply this. Would you live this week in light of these awesome realities by faith? Every day, meditate and focus, and make yourself aware of these incredible realities. Let it simmer. Just let it kind of sink in. And recognize that you have a heavenly Father that has blessed you incredibly. And see if it will not well within you a heart of appreciation, gratitude, and thanksgiving the father that made it all possible shall we pray dear heavenly father thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the ambassador baptist church if this message was a blessing to you please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media thanks once again for tuning in